Welcome to the Mission of Truth podcast, where Super Bowl champions Nick Foles and Chris Maragos dive deep into the trials and victories that are behind all of the lights. Here's your hosts, Nick Foles and Chris Maragos. Today's guest is a former 14-year NFL quarterback and current NFL head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. He has the distinction of having led his team to the biggest comeback victory ever in both college and NFL ranks. The college one was recently broken the last couple of years, but I'm still going to say it. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a great friend and mentor. Welcome, Frank Reich. So, Frank, welcome to the show. We're wow. excited to have you on. Nick and Chris, it's my it's my pleasure, and uh, this is so exciting to get to get to be able to hang out with you guys doing this. So thanks for inviting me. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I think I'm gonna start it out um, just because us being together in Philadelphia was an extremely special year in 2017. So I want to talk a little bit about that, and I'm gonna actually share something that I don't think anyone's ever heard or ever um, I've ever talked about publicly, and it was probably one of the most fearful moments of the 2017 season for me, it had to go, it had to deal with, uh, during off season training time, uh, had to do with you. And I had written a paper for my seminary class and (laughs) you, we had talked about it. We had talked about Jesus. We had talked about faith. You had shared with me your seminary journey, becoming a pastor, all these different things while also talking a little bit of X's and O's, but you said, Hey, let me look at that before you turn it in. And I remember giving you my paper. I was more nervous giving you my paper than giving my professor my final paper because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I actually have to live with Frank. I don't have to see my professor because it's online. So I wanted to share that story because that, that's what you mean to me. But just talking about that year and obviously Chris was there. Um, you know, we, we joked about Chris and how um, amazing special teams player, uh, a team captain, but also a guy who gave you more gray hair during practice. So I just <laughs> he, gave, take it. He, he gave me so much gray hair and uh, you and the whole offense, because we had a pretty special offense, but Chris was a, you know, not only a great special teams player, but a great safety. And whenever he'd be playing scout team over there, he was the one guy we could never beat. Oh, uh, Hey, that's because I always knew what your plays were. And then I found ways to just make myself look good because I was never good enough to play safety. So I figured I got to make myself look good on scout team. <laughs> Oh, no, my the, God. the amount of times like watching coaches like throw down their call sheets with Chris <laughs> like, no, Chris, you got to be in the box. You got to be. What are you doing? Why is he buzzing to the flat? Like you shouldn't be doing that. Uh, Wait, it's, a, it's a double move. Like we have a safety on a tight end. We're running a double move. He should be body on the double move. Oh, oh my God. Well, and, the, and, and I hope the listeners would I, I would just want to bring a little clarity to that. And, you know, as coaches, we stay up all night drawing these cards up because we're trying to run our plays against certain looks. And so when we're telling the guys who are running scout team to run the look, you know, we really want, but Chris just, Chris just had that little wild streak in him. Oh man, I had to, man. Look, you guys were playing middle field safety. You're supposed to be in the middle and you guys got me playing like a half field. I'm like, Oh, I I ain't going out there like that. (laughs) I apologize, but you know what? We won the Super Bowl that year. So I think I'm going to take all the credit for that win on the Super Bowl in the whole season. Just for the one player on the scout team. Look, I'll just, I'll take all the credit. No no worry. No, absolutely. I mean, you can't win a Super Bowl without a great scout team and everything that goes on with it. But I think just further on, you know, further asking questions from the first question, Frank, um, so much happened in 2017. Obviously now you're with the Indianapolis Colts. Now I'm with the Chicago bears, you know, Chris is out there making waves, um, doing every different thing right now. 
Um, his daughter is going to be the next great gymnast. I was just watching a video once again yesterday. It's unbelievable. Frank, I'll show you the video later. But just can you talk a little bit about that 2017 season in Philly and just what you experienced? And just because there's going to be a lot of probably Eagles fans and Colts fans and Bears fans that want Seahawks fans that want to listen to this. But just recap that 2017 year to you. Oh, man, to recap it in, in short note would be hard. But I'll just a couple couple thoughts were you know, one as a coach and, and Nick, obviously, and Chris, we all know this, that as coaches, what, what is so great about what we do is, is working with the people we work with. And for me, you know, working that year, working with you was one of the all time great experiences I've ever had. I mean, and then, but we also know we work in a profession where winning is really, uh, is really highlighted. So to be able to have a great year and win and win the Super Bowl big, but also to be able to have the relational connections that we had that year. So many highlights to that year of on the field and off the field, going through the ups and downs. Um, it was incredible. So I don't want to say it's a, I hope it's not a once in a lifetime experience, but I know this, I'll never forget that year and I'll never forget the relationships that we built. And Nick, obviously, and I was close with a lot of guys on the team, but you know, being in that quarterback room with you and Carson, and seeing how you guys led us through that year and then how you stepped in at the end of the year and did that magical thing that you that only Nick Foles knows how to do. Um, that was just something special. Yeah, it was special, man. You know, seeing how Nick, how you and Carson handled that and even for you, Coach Wright and Doug and all those guys, just to just to see how you guys balance that whole dynamic and then to transition from Carson having an MVP year to Nick coming in there and then getting him back up to speed. I mean, you didn't even play since the preseason and then to get you going to where you're playing at, you know, back in that rhythm was truly remarkable. I, you know, I always was wondering too, with you guys, like, you know, what do you guys talk, you know, because for instance, defensive guys, you know, we're talking about hitting guys or, you know, we're over there doing stuff, you know, quarterbacks, you guys are real cerebral, you know, you guys are, methodical on what you do what are you guys talking about before the games or when you guys come back on the sidelines I mean what 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 do those conversations look like well I with Nick it was different with Nick it's different you know I I talked to Nick different before a game than probably most quarterbacks I've ever worked with you know because Nick Nick's a unique guy um in a lot of ways but um I always knew you know even though Nick's incredibly brilliant smart uh you know he was one guy he just don't clutter his mind. Just don't try to be throwing in last minute thoughts or game plan. Just, you know, he's prepared, trust his preparation. And so I found like conversations with Nick would be more about family and faith and, and those things, because that's just was real. That was who he was in the moment. And um, that, that's the fun that we had together. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, further into it I mean those conversations before the game really settled me into the game I mean a lot of coaches want to continue to overload you with X's nose oh this guy this guy but just having those conversations were so meaningful and what a lot, there'll be a lot of coaches listening to this you know the thing that was so special about you was also your your humbleness and everyone the way you you were authentic you were humble you were humble enough to when we were approaching the playoffs everyone wanted to know like how the, all of a sudden did something change from like Nick was sort of, he played well, but was sort of struggling. And then all of a sudden the playoffs happened and it accelerated. Like what happened? And it's something I always tell people is like, listen, the best coach I've ever been around, make it about the players. They don't make it about their offense and the pride they have in their, their X's and O's because it's really about the players and the players that are playing. Well, you went back to my archives 
and found a 150 play cut up that you watched and you're like, you need to watch this and tell me what you think. And I remember watching it and I had forgotten all these throws I had made because of different things that happened in my career. Um, St. Louis and then coming back, like I had forgotten the player that I used to be. And you're like, the, and you said something to me that I'd never been told before. And it changed the trajectory of me as a player. You said, you're not thinking, you're reading and reacting. And I said, well, what do you mean? It's like, you're just running plays you love to run and you're running them over and over again. And you're just reading them out and you're just reading the defense. It's really simple. It's like you said, you don't clutter my mind, even though I can comprehend it. And that's where we changed the game plan. But you had to recognize that. And I'm sure other people on the staff as well. But I'm so grateful and I'm quick to let people know, like, football is not about one player. It's about everyone humbling themselves to understand what's the best part of the team. And that was always so impactful. And that's something I still share with with younger coaches or coaches always ask me, like, you know, what was it like being with Doug Peterson and Frank Reich? And like, what was it? And I always share those stories. Like, you got to work with your players. Carson and I, polar different players but we still st- played within the same realm of the offense but the reason it worked was because of the coaches so I'm grateful for that but I'm gonna you know still the next question and say you know going back to your career obviously 14 year um, NFL veteran the thing that where we really hit it off at the beginning was you left football and became a pastor Whereas that was on my heart at the time too. I talked about you editing a paper and all those different things, but we really connected there. So tell me about that journey of you leave the NFL, like the NFL and you become a pastor. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was playing and, and well, I, be, you know, I became a Christian when I was in college and then just the Lord placed me in Buffalo and just had a, really great experience there with a great chaplain who really mentored me and some other people who mentored me. And Nick, what the way, the way it led all to being a pastor. And I know you and I have talked about this, but just in some respects, sharing it for everybody else was, you know, I, I, I was wired. My parents were school teachers and I, I was just so passionate about how my life was being changed. And it was really being changed through a lot of time spending in, in the word of God and, wanted to share that. And as athletes, um, we, we have opportunities to share your testimony, to talk about your conversion experience. And that's great. And I did that a lot of times, but, uh, then I, I wanted to be able to do more than that. I wanted to be able to like teach the whole Bible. So I ended up going to seminary and, uh, and I started taking seminary classes actually while I was still playing, just like another guy on this call I know is doing. Um, but I took some seminary classes and I didn't, when I started taking seminary classes, it wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was going to be a pastor at that time. I just wanted to learn and grow, but it was so awesome. And I was growing so much, not like intellectually, but just spiritually. It wasn't like I was, I wasn't just trying to learn more Bible information. I was trying to grow spiritually. And as that continued to unfold, it led me, um, it led me to, to serving as a pastor. And, um, I mean, it was an incredible experience, uh, but the, I always tell people the most difficult job in the, mo- the most difficult calling, I should say, in all the world is to be a pastor. I, I definitely learned that firsthand. Wow. That's wild, man. That's that's a crazy transition. So you go to being from in football to a pastor and then you feel called back to football. What does that transition look like? What was kind of happening and, and how did that even come about? It was really hard, Chris, because... You know, when I, when I stepped into this 
and there were a couple things leading up to that, but I was doing a lot of full-time ministry things and then step into the pastorate role for two years. And, uh, and, and it just became apparent without going into all the circumstances behind it, that, that this wasn't the ultimate, that this wasn't the calling of God was not, I didn't feel like God was calling me to be a pastor. Um, too long of a story to get into all of it, but just to say, I knew I wanted to serve the Lord. And, um, and there were two things that I felt like I could had some expertise at, and that was teaching the Bible and teaching football. And so if I wasn't going to be called into a full-time ministry role, then I looked at my, my role as being a, a missionary of sorts, going back into football at some level. Uh, hopefully it would be the NFL, but I didn't know at the time. Um, and go in and do that work and, to, and continue to serve the Lord in that way and, and, and continue to grow. And to me, what that meant was hey, just continue to grow personally. And as that, and as you continue to get in relationships and situations where uh, that an authentic faith, not a perfect faith, but at least authentic through ups and downs can spill out in our work and in our day to day world. That was kind of the vision for it. Absolutely. Huh, that's wild. So you come back to football. Obviously, you have a lot of success and, you know, obviously you have the great year in Philly and then you become a head coach. What was kind of going through your mindset, you know, to have kind of, you know, the ultimate you know, position as, you know, uh, you know, uh, leading an organization, leading the team, leading men, you know, on the field and getting that opportunity to, to actually do that. Well, certainly as a, as a coach, always aspired to be a head coach in the NFL, even before I went into full-time ministry, that was always a, a dream and a vision. But, um, you know, once when I was playing, I was playing for the Carolina Panthers and there was a teammate of mine, his name was Bob Christian, really a great player and a great great man. We were in a Bible study one time and I'll never forget this. This was in 1995. And he made the statement. He said, you know, what's happening in your life? He asked this to the group, what's happening in your life that only God can get the credit for. And so my journey to becoming a head coach in the NFL is to me, one of those stories. Um, It's something that only God can get the credit for. When you look at, at the year in Philadelphia and then, you know, the Colts have a head coach and then he, he, and then he leaves, he, he, he walks off the job and, and doesn't take the job. And, and, and we had just won the Super Bowl. I never could, who could orchestrate something like that? Only the Lord. So, right? yeah. yeah. So it's just really humbling for me. And it, it gives me assurance. It gives me confidence as a coach. Like, like this was God's calling on my life. Like mm-hmm. this was that he was directing my steps in this way because you can't make this stuff up how this happened you can't make it up. So it kind of made me, it empowered me and gave me confidence to be who he's called me to be in this position and to work and to glorify him in every way I can. Absolutely. What you're sharing right there is something, you know, we have, you know, our friend Jason Romano with sports spectrum, you know, we have spoken to him and, he had shared a story about why, when he was at ESPN, um, Tony Dungy was there going through a, a day of interviews and the car wash and everything. And uh, one of his assistants had, you know, Jason at the time was a Christian, probably a younger Christian. And, you know, I guess Tony had asked uh, how he lives out his faith at work. And, you know, Jason was just sort of like he was keeping them separate. Like he didn't know how to bring like him being a believer to work because he was always told, like, don't bring your religion or your faith to, to work, like keep it separate. 
And, you know, that's something that really convicted his heart because she's like, no, you're missing the point. Like you always have an opportunity to be a representative of Jesus Christ and to share that by serving and loving others. And that really impacted him. And when I hear you say, you know, I went to be a pastor, but it wasn't my calling because there's probably a lot of pastors, too. They're like, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to be. Well, whatever God has you is your ministry. And I learned that as a player where, you know, this document how I was going to retire and all these different things. But I realized my my ministry is where God has me and it doesn't have to be at a, a church building. It can be in a locker room like yours as a head coach. I've played for you. You love football. Like you love the X's and O's. You love preparation. You grind it and you make sure your team's in the best position possible. You're also mentoring young men. So you representing Jesus Christ by loving your team and doing those things actually makes you a better football coach where a lot of people would say, no, nah, you got to keep them separate. The Christians are soft. No, no. Like the guy that we believe in was the toughest dude that ever lived. So I just, I think you're an amazing example of that. And also it takes a lot of courage to play football. It takes courage to step out in faith. And there's something that you've spoken to us several times about, and I want you to speak to our listeners is um, the three pillars of courage. Uh, I'll just explain to our listeners the three pillars of courage. Yeah, well, no, I appreciate you asking that. I mean, because like you said, Nick, uh, you know, how do we live out our faith? You know, how do we live out our faith, whether it's as a player, you know, like you guys or or as a coach or w- whatever your, a person's vocation is? We all we all need that. Um, you know, we all need uh, to live courageously. And what does that look like? And and for me, um, there's a message that uh, right out of Joshua, out of the first chapter of Joshua, that there's these three pillars that I've always thought about. And, they, and what's really cool is they, they first and foremost direct my, my Christian faith and how I should live. But as I thought, they really connect to football and in light and just life in general. And, and, the first, and the first pillar of courage, like if, if you said, hey, how do you live a more courageous life? Um, the first pillar is really easy. It's a clear assignment from, you know, have a clear assignment from God, you know, in the book of Joshua, Moses has just died. And so Joshua is the new leader and the Lord comes to Joshua and he says, Hey, Joshua, you're going to lead these people into the promised land. So he gave him a, so Joshua, you know, it was going to be a really rough battle. They already knew they were outnumbered. Their army was bigger and better than their army. It was going to be difficult. It was going to be hard. It was going to almost be impossible, but Joshua knew that's what he was called to do. So having that, and I, I joke with Chris about, you know, he, we used to run down on kickoffs and be crazy, man, and break up wedges. And when you're when you're a wedge buster, or you're running down on a kickoff, you know what you're called to do. So so for me as a Christian, uh, you know, what is that assignment? And I think it's an assignment that's been given to all of us. And they asked Jesus, hey, when Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So I can wake up every day knowing that that's that that's the first and that that's my assignment. So whether I'm a football coach, as a dad, as a husband, that my assignment is to love God with all my heart, mind, soul and strength and um, and let that come out in my daily life. So, you know, I don't know how you how you guys feel about that, but understanding and having a vision of what we're called for. And then you see Nick as a quarterback. Right. It's the same thing. You drop back in the pocket. It's kind of scary back there. But you've got a vision to, to stand there strong in the pocket and, and, and run the play. No, you got to trust it and you got to have faith to run it. I mean, you can't be scared to step back in the pocket. I mean, you can watch from a TV and be like, oh, I could do that. But go stand in that pocket during a game. That's why we have the preseason, too, where we have to get acclimated back to that pocket, back to the field, back to trusting our teammates to where we can execute the play, because 
if we don't trust and we don't have faith and we don't cast out the fear and we don't have that, that direction, that plan placed before us, there's no way we can do it. And at the, at the highest level. So it's a, that's a great analogy to that first pillar. And, and where, yeah, go ahead, Chris. No, no, go, go. No. And what I was going to say is, and it's like when you're in that pocket, it's not like you're ignoring the pressure that's around you, right? We, you know, it's, you know, there's heat coming down you as a quarterback. We know in life as whether it's as a head coach or in life. I mean, a lot of the circumstances that people are facing every day in life, it's like a court. It's like being a quarterback back there and being blitzed. You know, it's like you're being blitzed. And so if you want to stand there in the pocket when you're getting blitzed and have courage, you, you feel it, but you still got to keep your eyes down the field and always know you're going that way. So that's the first pillar. The second one, the second one, uh, Chris and Nick, is, is really easy, too. It's to have the assurance of God's presence with you. You know, yeah. the Lord tells Joshua, hey, you're going to lead these people in to take this land. And guess what? Just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And of all the promises in the Bible, and there's a lot of great promises in the Bible, I, this is just an educated guess, but maybe the one that God gives more than any others to his peep, to his children is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God tells us again and again, if you are my child, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, that gives me courage. That gives me courage. You know, God is with me. You know, God is with me. It doesn't mean everything's going to go perfect. I'm going to, I'm going to go through some deep valleys and I've, and I'm 58 years old. I've been through some rough times. Uh, it's, there's been a lot of heartache and pain and suffering. There have been some great mountaintop experiences. And I can honestly say that I've seen how, how God has directed me, been alongside me, helped me learn and grow, helped me endure, helped me be strong, helped me be a man, helped me make tough decisions, helped me get up off my back, helped me have vision to go forward, helped me to trust him, helped me to trust other people. That takes courage. And I need, and, and I need that courage. I need to be reassured. And that's why I like to spend time in God's word to, uh, to, so I can see over and over again how intimate God is and how much he can be trusted to walk with us through life. And that's just been a huge deal. Wow. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. What about that? Give us that last one, man. Okay. So the last one. Yeah, right, that last one. Well, the last one is, is to trust in, trust in God's promises that if he's going to, so if he's going to give us a clear assignment and then he's going to, and then um, he's going to give us the assurance of his presence. And then the third one is just trust in my promises. So um, he tells Joshua in this first chapter, he says, Hey, meditate on my word day and night, be careful to do everything written in it. Do not turn from the right to the left, you know, and, and all that stuff. And so you think about the, think about what he told Joshua. He says, meditate on my word day and night. Well, what was his word to Joshua? Well, at that time, Moses had, you know, Moses had just died. Well, Moses, we know, wrote the first five books of the Bible, right? right. So what he's telling Joshua is read, read what Moses wrote, read my word. Well, in Moses's first five books, what's the main promise in that book that I'm going to, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you this promised land. So um, that is just very important that we just, you know, as we navigate through all the difficulties of life, the highs and lows, just continually relying and trusting on God's word. And so, but if we're going to trust in these promises, we have to know what they are. So we have to spend time in it. The thing that has radically changed my life more than anything, more than anything, more than anything is being disciplined and committed to spending time in God's word every day. Wow. 
That's, that's awesome. That's powerful. So we understand these three pillars, you know, from, you know, myself or somebody out there listening, you know, how do you practically do this on a day-to-day basis to make sure you're having that, that clear assignment or to know that God's presence is with you? I know you touched on it a little bit, but are there practical ways or are there certain disciplines that you have to make sure that, you know, you're putting yourself in the best position to have those three pillars in place and, and to have Absolutely. that clarity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like with the Colts, you know, we on the U version Bible app, you know, we do us, we do us a read through the Bible every year. We read through the Bible in a year and um, there's a, a group of players and coaches and we go and we go through that every and we go through that. I do it with friends. I mean, Nick and I, you know, Nick and I do uh, are in the word together. You know, we're doing these devotions um, a fair amount of time. So uh, I, I I like being on a team. Football gives me a team environment. So one of the practical things, Chris, is, you know, put yourself, uh, you know, put myself in a team where I have to be accountable to other men and, yeah. you know, other men. And, and, and of course, with my wife, my wife and I are doing the same thing. We're, we're reading and studying together. We're praying together. Um, that's one thing that very practically has helped me. Um, and then, you know, just the, the discipline of, of, of being a part of a fellowship, you know, the, the, of making it's not, whether it's Bible study, church, um, we're all so busy. We're all so busy, but you got to get out of, I think it's important for me to continually remind myself, get out of my comfort zone. Uh, we're made to be with other people, to lock arms with other people. And, uh, and so I try to, I try to make that a regular practice. There, there's something, there's something powerful about getting plugged in and being in community. And, you know, the cool thing is we see it with God himself, you know, with the Trinity, you know, God and God three mm-hmm. in one, and you see the importance of community and, and what that is. And I know even for my own life, you know, it's, you know, having people around you that can speak truth into your life or that can sharpen you or push you along or, or, you know, even sometimes, you know, you're not going through hard time, but they are, and you're able to learn from it or whatever it might be. I mean, those, those people in your life that can speak not only God's word speaking into our lives, but people and, and having that together is huge. So, man, you're, you're a hundred percent right, man. That's, that's awesome, man. Those are awesome practices. I, I think if I have time to tell you a quick story, here, here was a quick story to illustrate something. So um, I, I was playing for the Carolina Panthers in 95. My wife and I started a couple's Bible study and uh, we started a couple of Bible study and we decided we're going to play a joke on the group or do an icebreaker. And so um, a week before the first Bible study, um, we got together with this one woman and I took with me a football game plan and I taught her a couple of the plays on the plan. Anyway, long story short, we get to that. And then we went over it every day for five minutes a day. Yeah. So we got to that first Bible study and there's like 16 people sitting around. Many of these people have not been to a Bible study before. And the first thing I did was pass out a football game plan. And I said, who can tell me what's the first play we're going to run on third to seven to 10. And of course, nobody says anything because they just had it for a couple minutes. And then all of a sudden this woman that I taught the plays to, she raises her hand and she calls out the play, just like she was a quarterback in the NFL huddle. Uh, split right zoom 56 wide sale x dig fullback flat i mean it was it was amazing everyone just kind of freaks out <laughs> and, is, and is laughing and like what what just happened you know maybe she has a photographic memory or something but then i had an easel up front and and i had an easel up front and i said well does anybody want to try to draw this play up and of course nobody says anything this is all their first bible studies nobody knew this was people from around they didn't know each other and so 
at the just the right time, this woman, the same woman gets up and she draws the, she draws the play up on the easel and she goes versus cover two. I'm going to do this versus cover one. <laughs> she's breaking it down. <laughs> she's breaking it down and she's doing a really good job. And the funniest part of the whole deal was you should have seen the look on her husband's face. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. She, he, he knew she didn't know anything about football. Right. This was in you the whole time. Right. <laughs> so here, so he fell in love all over again. Yeah. Right. Right. So here was the moral of the story, guys. I said, guys, here's the moral of the story. A week ago, I got together with Rhonda and she didn't know anything about football. And in one week's time, I spent about an hour with her teaching her the basics. Then I spent five to 10 minutes a day just going over this. And she could pull this off on you now. I, pr- I know she doesn't understand everything she's saying. But I promise you this, Rhonda knows more today about football than she did a week ago. And I said, if she can do that with football, imagine with a football game plan, imagine what God can do with his game plan. If we'll just spend time in his game plan and we won't just like Rhonda, we won't know all the answers. We're not going to know, understand everything written in here. But if we come to if the Holy Spirit's not limited how he teaches us, right? I'm a limited teacher and how I could teach football, but the Holy Spirit's not limited that if we just commit time to God's word, the Holy Spirit can teach us in ways that will blow our minds. Oh, that's, awesome. oh, that's, a, that's an amazing story. And I think just, you know, from people listening to this, they all, you know, Frank is an amazing coach, amazing person, but you see his passion for the Lord and, and his word. And, and it goes back to how we talked about like keeping work and keeping our faith in Jesus separate. Like, this man is a great example of someone who doesn't and, and just does it in such a real way. And he talked about, you know, loving others and loving your neighbor and all those different things. And I've been around him and he does all those things. He's one of my favorite coaches I've ever, ever had. He said, you know, we do Bible devotionals. We have community. And I think that's important for people to, to realize is like you don't have to be afraid of re- representing Jesus Christ in your workplace and what you do and be emboldened in that. And even using like football analogies, you were able to, you know, share about the scripture. But it's like you said, God gave us the word of God that's true. It's never been refuted. And there's never, there's nothing in it that's false. Old Testament or New Testament. I know some people about all the old, it's just, uh, you know, this is, no, the old is real too. If you really want to dive deep, go look at all the archaeological finds and stuff. Like that's what I love doing in the off season. And when I can, like everything's there, you just have to open your heart. And we have a savior in Jesus Christ. And Frank, I just want to thank you so much for being on and sharing so much with us. There's so much wisdom. Kristen, I love you, but we do have one more question and it's a fun question. So like, I know me, me being a quarterback and continuing to play, like there's a throw I love. And it's when I, I don't get it all the time, but I've gotten it a few times. And it's when safeties like Chris um, get a little nosy and they want to cut like an over concept and I can hit a deep post behind them and just let it rip. As I'm getting older, I'm trying to keep my arm strength up as much as possible so I can still throw it. Um, but for you uh, personally, when you were a player, was there a, a concept or a throw that you're like, man, when this play is called, this is my play. This is my jam. Let's roll. Mm. Yeah, no, I love that question. And uh, yeah, for me, like I think back, you mentioned earlier the come from behind game that that I got a chance to play in with the Bills. Um, I, it was a play we could just call it calf forty seven, and it was a you know a sale a sale concept where the outside guys running a go route, and then the tight ends running a, a little uh, corner route, and the backs out in the flat, and then the backside guys are running in cuts, 
And, uh, yeah, it was just a good all-purpose play. I just feel like – and that play, you know, of course, we still – uh, Nick in Philadelphia, uh, you know, we had our version of we had our version of that in Philly as well. That play has stood the test of time, and I feel like you can throw that cell right, you can drop it in on a dime when it's zone, when it's three deep zone. Uh, if it's twenty two man, now you got to flatten them, flatten them out a little bit. Those are things as as an ex quarterback. It's funny, I'm fifty eight years old. I like if we called. I feel like if we go out, if we call calf 47, I think I can make it work right now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you would for sure find that check down in the flat quick. <laughs> oh, hey, look at that. Hey, easy. That's a low blow right there. <laughs> no, I, I think, I, th- I think, you know what? I'm not going to get into your training regimen, but I will tell the listeners, he is still training very hard and staying in great shape. Um, so I, I do think he would be able to make the throw. Absolutely. But I do think that check down, it does get a little juicy as you get a little older. There's no um, doubt. Yeah, that's a uh, low man. Coach right. Go, you can't go broke taking a profit, as they say. That's right. You gotta take take what they get, right? Take what they give you. That's awesome. Coach Reich, man, we really appreciate you coming on. And and man, even throughout the years, you never changed despite the highs, the lows, the comeback games, pastoring, uh coordinator, head coach, whatever it was. And I know you've had uh the admiration of everybody around you, including myself and and all the players and coaches and everybody you've been around and and can't thank you enough for coming on with us. And we're really excited about what you're doing in Indianapolis and excited to watch your season this year and, and uh, everything you're doing, man. And and we're, we're cheering you on, rooting you on and and appreciate uh, just who you are as a man and how that always encourages us. So I know your guys, your players are lucky to have you. Well, Chris Chris is rooting you on most of the time. There's a chance. I think we are playing each other, aren't we? So we are playing each other. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm always cheering you on. I'm coming to that game. Oh man. Frank took it to me last year. I come off IR and sure enough, it's Frank first game. Boom. (laughs) Thanks Frank. But if I had to play against anyone, it would be him. So no, I look forward to it. No, Uh, I love it. You guys are the best. I appreciate you guys having me on. I really, I mean, I, I look, even as a coach, I looked up to you guys. I mean, as players, I just saw, you know, guys who are guys who are living it out, man, and making a big impact on a big platform that you had. And um, it was really fun for me. That, that encourages me. That really encourages me. I had a guy who has walked your path, you know, as a former player, whenever I see players, you know, as committed and as strong and as unified as you guys are, it's really encouraging. So thanks for, I'm excited about the podcast. You know, you guys got this going. This is awesome. And I feel privileged to be, uh, be on it as a guest. So thank you for having me. Thanks, Frank. If you'd love to interact with Nick and I, please reach out to our social medias. Our Instagram is at Mission of Truth and our Twitter is at M of T underscore podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys and any thoughts or questions you guys have or comments. And thanks for tuning in.